Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing with episode number 82 for the Today's Electrical Economy podcast series sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit and fittings in 1988 and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specifications. In today's podcast, we'll take a look at the latest electrical pricing trends from the Electrical Price Index published from Electrical Marketing, and then we're going to take a look at some results from the Electrical Wholesaling Vertical Research Partners third quarter 2023 distributor survey. We'll also give you a quick summary of all the distributor acquisition activity that's happened over the past couple of weeks. Of course, as with all our podcasts, we'll be giving you a quick insight into five key electrical indicators that will measure what's going on in local markets. We've got initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy podcast series for 2023. For the week ending October the 14th, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial claims was 198,000. That is a decrease of 13,000 from the previous week's revised level. The four-week moving average for total unemployment claims for the U.S. was 205,750, and that is a decrease of 1,000 from the previous week's revised average. That previous week's revised average was revised up by 500 from 2,006,250 to 2,006,750. The unemployment rate did stay the same for September at 3.8%. According to the most recent data, we had a number of states that had some fairly significant decreases in unemployment claims. They were led by Florida, which saw its claims decrease by 7,172. New Jersey saw a decline of 3,076. Arizona's unemployment claims were down 2,222. Massachusetts down 2,027. Georgia's claims down 1,630 to 29,937. Louisiana saw a decrease of 1,229. The claims now stand at 11,122 for the week ending October the 14th. And North Carolina saw a decrease of 1,092. Claims now standing at 18,818. Only three states had increases in their unemployment claims of over 1,000. California's claims were up 6,650, and that they now stand at 360,119 for the week ending October the 14th. State of Washington's claims were up 4,076. State of Colorado claims were up 1,188. Two other states that had fairly significant increases in claims were Minnesota, saw their claims increase by 942 to 30,211, and the state of Virginia claims up 874, claims now standing at 13,234. One of the more interesting leading economic indicators for the overall U.S. economy is freight rail traffic. It's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR, which publishes this data weekly. Over the past year, we've seen the uh, freight rail traffic pretty steadily decline uh, compared to last year's figures, usually in the neighborhood of less than 5%, but it it hasn't exactly been a healthy time for the freight industry over the past year. Some people have called it a freight recession. Occasionally, we'll see some increase. Uh, Let's take a look at this week's data. Total carloads for the week ending October the 14th were 225,405 carloads, which is down 2% compared with the same week last year. The week U.S. weekly intermodal volume was 267,376 containers and trailers. That is up 2.8% compared to 2022. 
For the first 41 weeks of 2023, U.S. Railroads reported cumulative volume of 9,234,003. That is up 0.3% from the same point last year. Intermodal units were at 9,862,159. That is down 7.7%. Total combined U.S. traffic for the first 41 weeks of 2023 was 19,096,162 carloads and intermodal units, and that is down 4% compared to last year. Six of the 10 carload commodity groups posted an increase compared with the same week in 2022. These carload commodity groups were that were up for petroleum and petroleum products, so an increase of 1,774 carloads. Motor vehicles and parts up 955 carloads to 15,712. And miscellaneous carloads up 809 carloads to 8,786. The commodity groups that posted decreases compared with the same week in 2022 included coal, which was down 4,787 carloads, and that is currently standing at 62,138. Grain was down 2,049 carloads to 22,176. And metallic ores and metals down 1,705 carloads to 18,137. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes recount, and this tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. The data is available by state, by basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. On this slide, you get an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits. It gives you a good sense of just how many of the large oil players are in Texas and Oklahoma, and how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. In the most recent data, the total U.S. rig count was down four rigs to 619 for the week ending October the 20th for the year, the rig count is down 143 rigs for an 18.8% loss. The state of Texas lost seven rigs and overall is down 63 rigs compared to this time of last year. Percentage-wise, Texas saw a 17.5% drop. When you look at the data by basin, there's not too much change other than the Permian Basin losing three rigs over the past week's data. The Permian Basin, the nation's largest, is down 36 rigs for the year. It's standing at 309 rigs and overall is down 10.4% year over year. The current price of W2I crude oil as of October 20th is back under $90 a barrel, currently standing at $80.75. Some bigger news in the oil market uh, is that the Chevron is buying Hess for $53 billion. A few weeks back, we heard that ExxonMobil acquired Pioneer Natural Resources for $60 billion. Pioneer is a specialist in drilling shale, and the analysts that track the oil market say these big, big acquisitions that show that despite the energy transition to renewables, Big oil companies still see plenty of opportunity in the oil and gas industry are willing to make these big bets with acquisitions. There was an article in the Monday, October 23rd, New York Times that said, like Exxon's acquisition of Pioneer, Chevron's move shows that big oil companies want to invest closer to home amid rising political risk in Asia, the Middle East, and Africa. In recent years, Chevron has increased its holding in the Rocky Mountains and Permian Basin, straddling Texas and Mexico. The article also said that the jewel of the Chevron deal is in the acquisition of Hess Investment Offshore Guyana, which in partnership with ExxonMobil is producing 400,000 barrels of oil a day, and that is up from virtually nothing four years ago. The output of this particular oil find is expected to triple by 2027. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's the leading indicator for future economic activity since it is used in so many different industries. The construction industry is among the leading markets for copper because of its use in wiring cable and copper plumbing pipe. Over 20, the copper prices were sitting at $3.57. That is near the lowest reading since November of last year. 
John Gross, the publisher of the Copper Journal, says the decline in copper prices right now may be due in large part to the current concerns over the geopolitical tensions in the Middle East and Ukraine and inflation. Let's take a look at some of the more recent electrical price action according to Electrical Marketing's Electrical Price Index. We'll hit some of the highlights here, but if you would like access to monthly pricing trends for more than 20 key electrical product groups, it's available as part of a $99 annual subscription to Electrical Marketing Newsletter. You can find more information about electrical marketing at www.electricalmarketing.com. Electrical Marketing Electrical Price Index measures pricing changes on both a month-to-month -month and year-over-year -year basis. For a whole, the total index of more than 20 electrical products, product groups, I should say, uh, was down 0.4%. Power wire and cable was down the most, down 7.6%. Pole line hardware was down 2.5%. And building wire and cable was down 1.4%. We didn't have any big increases for any of the product groups. So the, the two biggest ones were wire and, wire and devices and connectors at 0.3% and industrial fixtures on 0.6%. As you can see, when you look at the year-over-year -year percent changes, there's still some pretty significant uh, changes in some of the different uh, product groups. We saw uh, for the month, the year-over-year -year change was up 2%. Pole line hardware saw the biggest change for it sitting it was down 10.2%. Boxes were down 10%. Conduit fittings down 7.6%. And non-metallic conduit down 5.3%. Uh, if you look at some of the products that have seen the biggest increases at the far end of the spectrum, Wiring devices connectors were up 25.6% compared to this time last year. Right now, power and wiring cable prices were sitting at 25.1% increase. Metal conduit up 14.7% year over year. Industrial controls and circuit breakers both up 7.5% for the year. Panel boards and switches up 7.4%. Fuses up 6.7% and switch gear up 5.8% through September for the year. These slides give you an idea of the little longer term uh, trends for both uh, on the month-to-month -month pricing changes and year-over-year -year pricing changes. Uh, the monthly average for the electrical price index, and this average is determined going all the way back to the 1990s, is how far back our data goes, but it is a 0.21 increase a month for the monthly change. As you can see, uh, during the 2021, we had some pretty good spikes up all the way up to a 3% spike. Uh, we were getting much uh, we're a little bit below that monthly change right now. Uh, the chart on right shows you the more significant and larger increases year over year. 2.6% uh, is the average year over year change when you look at the, at the monthly data. And you can see a pretty good sized blip there in that 2021-2022 uh, uh, change there. We're certainly riding a, a bit under that uh, where we were just not all that long ago, about two years ago. I really look forward to getting the results of a quarterly survey that we do at Electrical Wholesaling with Vertical Research Partners, or VRP. And they're an equity research firm that focuses on electrical and industrial markets. Uh, this quarter survey analysis was developed from the survey of 32 distributors that include full liners, utility specialists, and automation companies. I find that the uh, results of this survey over the past three years that we've been working with them has really given us a, a very good sense of where the market may be headed in the near future and also what the current conditions are. I'm particularly interested in this quarter's results is that this is the first time over the past three and a half years or so that the distributors are really reporting a, a slow patch that they see had nothing recessionary, but they're definitely looking at a slowdown as we'll see in the coming uh, slides. So let's take a look at some, what they were saying in this survey. ERP breaks the different uh, distributor sales data uh, down by volume growth and price growth. 
for for the the current quarter, the the Q3 quarter, uh, distributor sales were up 3.3%, 2.7% of that is on volume, 0.6% uh, of that is on price, and that pricing portion of the sale is sale increase. It's actually the lowest since Q4 2020. We've seen a much bigger chunk of that. Any of the uh, quarterly increases were based on the price rather than actual volume growth or demand. Uh, while the quarterly results were solid and, and generally in line with or above expectations, several distributors noted a marked slowdown in their day-to-day -day activity in October. It's too soon to tell if this is merely a temporary pause or the start of something a more meaningful deceleration. Uh, some distributors have also seen a slower quoting environment, and while others have still see a healthy pipeline related to reshoring and or stimulus-related investments. Looking forward, distributors are expecting sales to actually go down 1.6% on average for Q4 2023. That is the first anticipated decline since 2020, so I thought it was significant and wanted to call that out to our listeners today. I was also intrigued by some of the comments distributors had on their 2024 and 2025 expectations. Uh, they did say there, there were some mixed early reads and the 2024 demand, according to the VRP analysis of the data. They, they noted some election noise may be impacting decisions making in 2024, uh, but most distributors agreed that projects already underway will be seen to completion. There, there's some concern about interest rate sensitivity, and they said that it appears to be creeping in around the edges of the electrical market. And there's some suspicions that the speculative commercial construction projects planned during what they termed the free money period could be at risk. They, there was some comments on backlogs, and they said that generally it sounded like they remain healthy, but it should provide some support in the event of a broader slowdown. There is some optimism about the pipeline or project activity. They said that 2025 is setting up to be a strong year of investment, and that activity around electric vehicles, including battery and recycling, data centers and related to AI, and semiconductors appear to be underway and should get better in the future. They also said the infrastructure funding from government legislation is still out ahead of us, despite all that's already been spent in the market. I also enjoyed hearing some of the actual distributor quotes from the survey, and I, I pulled out a couple here that I, I think are particularly illuminating. Uh, one distributor said that supply chain is generally better on everything but power distribution and equipment, which here most notably is a problem, but also metering transformers. There's lots of activity around renewables and batteries, and EVs and rooftop storage. Uh, one another distributor said that daily activity has slowed as lots of buildings come coming to completion, and they hope to see a tick up with a new project starting. Light to mid-heavy construction, commercial construction projects are slowing, and some have attributed this to the higher interest rates and speculative nature of the projects. One distributor said that in 2024, there'll be more elephants to hunt, while the day in and day out business will be slower because of the higher interest rates. And one distributor summed it up by saying, things are not gangbusters, but we're not seeing a big slowdown. There was a summer slowdown that was supposed to happen, and it never did, and actually sped up. A few other comments of interest, uh, I thought, were that, that one distributor said that prices are generally less of an issue than availability. Another distributor said, no budget cuts from customers that we see, but factories are running slower. One distributor said, we're coming off the best month in branch history because most of our back orders came in. Now those are way down and they're not, we are not booking enough to refill. One distributor did say that last month was the beginning of slow bookings, but no projects have been held up. Just they were just not running at full capacity. I know this podcast is already running a few minutes longer than usual, but there's been so much uh, distributor acti acquisition activity over the past couple of weeks. I wanted to bring that to your attention as well, in case you haven't heard of some of these deals. Sonopar's World Electric Supply Division, which focuses on Florida and Georgia in the southeast, made a big acquisition on the southwest coast of Florida with its purchase of the electric supply of Tampa. 
they made that deal and it part of their drive to make the world electric supply division a $1 billion business unit. Sonopar also acquired in the Chicago market uh, the Sunrise Electric Supply through its Viking Electric Supply subsidiary. They want to also build that their that Viking Supply subsidiary into a, a billion dollar business unit. Uh, Sonopar also in the market, in the Chicago market, acquired Brook Electric Supply in 2000, so they're very much a factor in there. Uh, Facility Solutions Group is kind of a hybrid distributor uh, in the lighting and general electric supply, but they also do quite a bit of business as an ESCO. And they recently acquired a New York-based company in the ESCO area called Lighting Management Incorporated. Uh, Shadler ESCO in the Pennsylvania market and in eastern Ohio and uh, southern tier of New York made an acquisition in North, Northwestern PA to increase their operations there. The Clarion Electric Supply was a company they purchased. Green Mountain Electric Supplies have been making quite a few different purchases over the past couple of years. And they got into the Boston market for the first time, and in particular with an interesting company called Atlantic Electrical Distributor Service. And they focus on lighting maintenance projects and different energy types, things electric vehicles and other net zero types of projects. In Indiana, we had Eckerd Supply, recorded in Indiana by an automation distributor by the name of Automated Controls and Electric Supply. And also we had Wiseway Supply, acquiring Stern Supply in the Indiana market. That wraps up our podcast today. A special thanks again to the folks from Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the today's Electrical Economy Podcast Series for 2023. Uh, please contact me if there's any other type of economic data that you would like us to cover in these podcasts. I enjoyed talking with a couple of you at the recent uh, affiliated distributors meeting in Dallas, and the feedback there was great. It really does help me as I shape these podcasts, the content, and see which new areas that I should be looking at, or just areas in general that are more popular, so I make sure to include them as often as possible. Our next presentation will be on November the 3rd, so until then, stay healthy, be happy. I look forward to chatting with you in a couple of weeks.